Mass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. We are back. Yes, that's right. Another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, super excited. Get off to another start for some great bass fishing information. Yeah, it's that time of year, Kurt. I mean, I know you have had many of miles up and down the interstate of uh, not only some tournaments, but also some other things that you've had going on. You've been able to spend a little time on the water, but what's been going on in your neck of the woods? We've had a whole lot happening. I've been to Gunnersville. Uh, Travis just recently returned from Travis. Travis, a fun event, which we're going to talk a little bit about as the episode goes on. We've got uh, a guy that did pretty well there at the Travis event with us today. So I'm excited to get to that uh, Angler Spotlight interview later on. But uh, man, i tell you what, the other thing I've been doing is keeping up on my tech. And I say tech because email is techie, right? Um, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> for me. That's right. I was on uh, Bass Blaster. Man, they really broke down that Cherokee event. Kind of a different technique being used over there. And uh, don't forget to make sure you get subscribed to Bass Blaster. That's, you know, Jay Kumar's article that he sends out a couple times a week. And you can sign up by going to Bass Blaster at BassGold.com. So uh, be sure to throw your email in for that. But uh, talking about tight lining and Demiki rig, we're going to get into a little bit more of that later. But uh, and there's just been a lot of movement in the fishing industry because basically it's game on, brother. We got springtime with us. How about you boy it is and uh, i've had the opportunity to you know spend some time on table rock uh i actually got in with uh, the central pro elites down there but the lake was low the weather has been odd you know that week that i was actually down there uh it went from in the 70s if you can believe it or not actually hit 75 big front came in bottom fell out of it lake was low so just a lot of different things that were going on it was a fun time absolutely blast but the fish were certainly still you know somewhat grouped up and you had those occasional ones that would break away from the pack and kind of test the shallows and then my opinion was they would move back out but they're just not quite ready to commit to hanging out in those shallows yet. Well we're going to talk about that a little bit more in our next segment. I'm going to kind of enlighten some folks on some spawning techniques I like to go with and uh, I'm going to get you to tell some folks about some of your pre-spawn techniques just so that they know hey when we're in this time of year there's a lot of stuff going on. You've seen that in the last couple of national events that have happened You've got the, you know, a little bit of the spawn happening, still a lot of pre-spawn going, but it's really important to look at those conditional elements that will set you in a direction to have most success this time of year. Well, certainly excited for that. And hey, before we hit a commercial break, let's grab this episode's tackle tip. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Clark Green. Guys, my tackle tip for the day is about electronics. You know, with the new technology coming out, iCast coming, Bassmaster Classic coming, there's constant upgrades in technology. The best advice that I can give people about technology is don't get wrapped up in newer technologies. Learn what you've got. It's going to get real expensive constantly upgrading units you know, to the latest and greatest. The latest and greatest is going to constantly get evolved. What you want to do is possibly replace electronics every two to three years if you can afford it and just learn what you've got and get better with the tools that you do have. Thanks, Clark. 
First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Aaron, I'm sitting here relaxing, listening to those commercials as we're getting ready for this next segment of the show. And I think this is the first time ever we forgot to mention our primary, our most important supporter of all time, MegaWare Keel Guard, the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector, protecting your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. Get yourself a Keel Guard at KeelGuard.com. We can't ever forget our boys at Keel Guard, right? No, man, not unless you're going to go without a pay check for a couple months. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to forget about that at all. That's for sure. But uh, I've been watching some television lately and uh, DVRing, you know, on the road and running around and all that kind of stuff like we talked about earlier. But man, I saw the MLF in Minnesota. Aaron Martins broke the new one day record at the cup event up there in Minnesota that just recently aired. Dude had 88 pounds. Not only did he have 88 pounds, yeah, I mean, they're they're only fishing like a seven and a half hour a day. Guy caught 88 pounds of bass, I don't know, 30, 40 some odd fish. It was was unbelievable. I think it was 30 something because he caught some huge smallmouth, some nice largemouth, and uh, man, it was just nonstop action. I mean, it was the A-Mart show 101, a lot of fun to watch, reminded me of the days back when you and I spent some time up there in Minnesota, the uh, man, woman, boy chain. You remember that, bro? Oh man, I do. And, uh, of course on the Bass Edge DVDs, you know, that, Obviously, it was a show that we did, but Minnesota is just so full of great lakes. Of course, we did that one, and then we also did Vermilion. And certainly for all Bass Edge Nation, that would be found on uh, the Season 1 and Season 2 DVDs of Bass Edge at three ninety five that can be purchased there on the website. So I'd encourage you to check those out. But what a great great state and also fisheries. Oh, I gotta say, I, I completely remember the Vermilion show you did with JVD, Jonathan Van Dam. There was a fish, dude. You remember it had a mouse. Yes, off of a dock. <laughs> off of a dock. I mean, awesome. never seen that before in my life, but yeah, yeah. that great, those, great times. Great memories. Those DVDs are awesome, man, so uh, definitely check those out at BassEdge.com. Yeah, and hey, you know, I think we need to spend a little bit of time, given where 
we are in the calendar year. Of course, geographically, you know, it differs a little bit because of temperatures, but one of my favorite times of year, Kurt, to spend is what I consider the kind of this pre-spawn. And I'm fortunate enough kind of living right smack dab in the middle of the United States. That period is a little bit longer, right? And I am not a, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm just not a good sight fisherman. So I will typically try to target pre-spawn fish for as long as I can. And then I'll try to leapfrog over the spawn and go right into the post spawn and try and get those first movers that's coming right back out but man throwing a swim bait for suspended fish throwing that jerk bait with kind of uh, twitching and, and pausing your cadence according to what the water temperature is and then occasionally you know picking up that football jig when they're more related to the bottom to me this is my time of year how about you yeah aaron i tell you what uh, those are great techniques of course down here in texas we're already moving toward the spawn just got off lake travis there you know a week and a half or so ago there was already some spawning fish at travis one of the fish i weighed in the first day i had a pretty good bag there the first day i was in top 25 and, and one of my bigger fish was off of a bed i I love the bed fish quite honestly it's a lot of fun for me one of the biggest tips i can give anglers that are out there looking to to try and improve or or step up their bed fish game is find some of those early bed fish you know once they get on on the beds everywhere kind of everybody's into it and everybody's fishing shallow and and they get picked off pretty quick but if you can really dial that in early where you want to find those early bed fish are back in the backs of some of the largest creeks, largest pockets on your lake, because that's where that water is going to warm up the quickest. Also, you want to definitely be looking in all of those banks that kind of face the northwest or or they come from the northwest because that sun is beating down strong toward the southeast during the days. So those pockets and those longer creek pockets are going to warm up the quickest. That's where you can get your early shallow water movement by those bass. The fact so check out those areas of your lake for those early spawn conditions. I think you'll have a lot of fun, catch a lot of fish early, shallow, before most of the other folks do on those lakes. Yeah, that's good advice there. Hey, quickly, I want to cover before we get off into our next segment here. You know, there was a lot of talk at the recent event down at Lake Cherokee with this Demiki rig or this tight lining. Spend just a, a minute or two, Kurt, kind of breaking that down for listeners of exactly what that is because that's that's something that hasn't received a lot of press up until this point in time. That's right. Um, you know, this thing I think is going to blow up. I don't know if it's the next umbrella rig, but it's definitely a new technique that folks are going to have to see if it works on their local lakes. This is an East Tennessee deal. You know, I'm just learning about it. So it's something that's been there for a while that they've been using out there in East Tennessee on some of these, you know, deeper kind of mountain lakes, you know, could work really good in that Ozarks region. Um, it, it could work great up on smallmouth, up on great lakes lakes early in the year. But what they're doing is they're taking a really small bait. I mean, like a two to three inch non-active bait, typically a straight tail lure, like maybe a, uh, a little shad type plastic and they're putting it on a small lead head, maybe a quarter, three eighths if it's really deep, even, you know, a 16th ounce using really light line, four, six, eight pound test. And they're dropping these baits over top of the fish. In this particular situation, those smallmouth were feeding up and coming up to eat these lures. And they're really not giving it a whole lot of action. You know, you saw some of the guys, one of our past Bass Edge guests, Seth Fighter, was really giving the bait a lot of action. 
but you had two rookies in the top three and a newcomer. You had Jacob Wheeler, who won the event, and uh, Jamie Hartman, who's a rookie from New York, finished second, and Jesse Wiggins, who's from Alabama, finished third. All of them using the same technique, this tightlining, the Mickey rig. We're going to get into more of this in later episodes. We're actually hopefully going to get some of those guys in with us here on the show to break that technique down so that you can try and employ that on your local lakes where you live. Definitely will be looking forward to that. And speaking of looking forward, I am anxious to get this next guest for the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight and pick his brain. He is on fire. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Hey, you got professional angler David Mullins. This is SLW Tour Pro Bradley Hallman. I'm professional angler John Collins. Bass Mass Elite Series Angler, Stephen Baby, Cliff Crochet. This is Bass Elite Angler Chris Wayne, and you are tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. In this episode's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, we have the angler that has most recently become an answer to a bass fishing historical trivia question. Who was the first angler to win back-to-back FLW Tour events? Well, that's professional angler Mark Rose. Thanks for taking time to hang with us this morning, Mark. You bet, guys. Thank you all for having me. I know that answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, Mark, that is amazing. You know, the more that I try and put my head around that situation, because you not only handled Gunnersville and then went Lake Travis, but did so in back-to-back fashion. Describe what that means now that it's kind of had time to sink in and you're, you know, a couple of weeks removed from that situation? Man, all I can say is that I'm just overwhelmed with Thanksgiving, really. Uh, I can't believe that, that I was in the situation with what I consider one of the best anglers in the world uh, twice and, and came out on top. Just a, uh, I know where exactly where these blessings in life come from. And gosh, it was just a truly a blessing from God, and I'm just overwhelmed with Thanksgiving. Well, Mark, you know that when you're beating uh, the best anglers in the world, that means one thing, that you are one of the best anglers in the world. So huge congratulations there and a big shout out. It, it's, uh, yeah, I was really in awe of your victory at Gunnersville. Obviously, being there, it was a really tough event, pretty cold, practice conditions changing so much. Let's talk quickly about how those fish were set up, kind of helping Bass Edge listeners, you know, understand that uh, kind of late wintertime uh, fishing, what was your thought process as you approached the conditions during that late winter tournament? Yeah, I knew uh, Gunnersville, you know, has it got a lot of grass and it's it's a grass lake. And usually whenever you come into that situation, you want to try to find out if those fish are, are, are deep on the grass lines or if they're you know, basically outside grass line or inside grass line. And it's late enough in the winter in, in that tournament going into it where I was like, man, this water temperature is really changing. That's a that's a huge deal this time of year. Coming off of a winter time is it's water temperature. And if you get some warm days, especially some warm nights, 
these fish will start to pull up and they come up in singles and maybe you know two or three fish at not just big huge waves because uh the water was still cool enough to where it still had you know a big portion of the fish in that deeper staging stuff but if you get some warmer nights and some sunshine during the day a few of those big females will start to come up and start to float and uh and what i mean by that is they're warming their eggs they've been deep they've been cold you know they've been kind of just dormant and so they'll start to pull up and show themselves and float and warm those because the water temperature in at the very top is going to be the warmest. It's been cold all winter. It's been in the 30s, 40s, what have you. So that water down there deep is cold. When you start getting up into the 60s, 65, 70, and that sun pops out, man, it warms the very top of that water column the most. So there's always going to be a few fish pulling up in those inside grass lines when that happens. And we had a few warm days there, and the nights got up into the you know, the 50s. So I knew that surface temperature was going to be warming up. And I tried to target the shallowest fish that I possibly could. Rocks warm a little faster than anything. And that when you don't have rock, basically what you got is on Gunnersville is grass. And I targeted rock and inside grass lines. And I wanted to see if I could pick off a few uh, of those bigger females that might be moving up. And that's exactly what I found. I started checking out all the rock and I found out that there were some big fish moving up on not a, it wasn't like they were just everywhere but that's what i like because then you all you have to do is find a few areas places where you can rotate around and i would use that causeway in browns creek as kind of my resting spot i could always find that there would be a big one move up on there when i'd go down it and then i would rotate around about six places in browns creek three being inside grass lines and three being little rocky places that were kind of at the mouths of little spawning bays or things like that, and just run it two or three times a day, and I'd pick off one big one here and there. I wasn't fishing the bridges where the masses of fish was. I wasn't fishing those big grass lines out on the main river where the biggest population of fish were. I just wanted to find those little key spots where a big one will pull up and then try to enjoy that little bit of warm water that they're starting to get over there. Well, that's great. Does that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense, Mark. And, you know, the, it sounds to me like that was an exercise of patience because obviously this just wasn't a one-day event. You had to do this multiple days. You were fishing a pattern, so you kind of had to keep tabs on the mental space as well. I want to move now straight forward to that because obviously Gunnersville, you did very, very well on that. But now we move straight to a lake that I personally have an affinity for, which is Lake Travis because it reminds me so much of Table Rock and I've been able to, to spend some time on that. But it's really seemed difficult for the field to consistently pattern the bass on that fishery. What was your approach on a daily basis there that really enabled you to be, again, more consistent than the rest of the field? What I credit that Travis victory too and and then figuring it out kind of the puzzle so to speak is changing my thought midway and and really during the tournament because i i had a game plan in my mind like we all do we have to have a plan and my plan didn't pan out for travis i thought it was going to be rocky deal i had jigs i had all those type of shallow jigs little little ball head jigs that we throw in the ozarks and things like that around channel swing banks and creeks and where fish would be pulling up into and staging, getting ready to spawn. They get in that last little deep water back in the creeks. Well, what I found out at Travis in a nutshell, without going into just extreme detail, was that there was more fish deep than there was moving shallow. 
and I couldn't fish the way I wanted to effectively on Travis. Everything was so slimy, and the bottom just wasn't didn't have that good, hard, clean bottom where you could pick up a little brown jig and just get in those channel swings and, and fish. It was just mucky and. And I found that the deeper water was the cleanest water. The deeper part of the lake was I could I could work my football jig in efficiently. And and fish want little clean dinner plates, what I call them. It's like on the Tennessee River. They want those muscle beds. And they get out there and they clean them off and they fan them out. And that helps them to feed on the crawfish better because the crawfish will migrate to those cleaner areas better than they will silty areas. So I started finding out that shallow stuff was all silty and just wasn't right. And so I started concentrating out a little bit deeper in practice. And I only found a couple areas, deep places, and they, they weren't just really good, but it had some fish on them. But my best deal was actually cranking up the river and throwing a little jig on a couple of clean bank, clean herb banks that I found. Well, that didn't pan out during the tournament. And, and just what I thought and was scared of, that the slimy stuff and started, it was a little worse than what I thought it was. And the fish just weren't using that. So I got out of the river the first day of the tournament. And that's when, midway through the first day of the tournament, uh, that's when I really figured it out. Uh, I didn't have it all figured out in practice. I knew that there was some deep fish, but I didn't realize there was as many as what there was and, and as big as what they were. So I came back down midway through the first day, got on one of my deep spots, fired out there, a strike king bullworm, and caught a four-pounder, which salvaged my day and gave me like 11 pounds. And then I caught some more keepers to go with it. I was like, okay, this is what I need to be doing. It was kind of 60-40. The river was my emphasis going into the day, and then... It was down the lake, and I switched gears to 100% down the lake. And I knew that that, when I saw that big fish, that immediately told me, these are the winning fish out here. And then I started looking on my graph the second day and backing out even farther and seeing those arches down there in 40 and 50 feet. And I backed out even more with a Strike King football jig and started getting even better bites and caught 17 pounds on a Strike King football jig that day. Out on those deeper stair-step ledges, they were clean. And it was down by the dam. Everything was just so much cleaner there than what I'd seen all over the lake. And that all really happened the first day. Well, I tell you what, that is an awesome description and, and really just shows the way that you are able to kind of fish the conditions, you know, kind of go through your thought process and your analysis and then really change during the event. And that, a lot of times, you know, that's the toughest thing is we get a bite mm-hmm. or two doing one thing or another thing and then we kind of ride that. But the question is, and this is always the million dollar question, Mark, and, and you answered it at, at Travis, which is why you won the event. It's when to stay and when to go. Are you just yeah. trying to ride to be consistent? enough to salvage an event that you aren't really on enough or boom you get that four pound bite turns your whole focus around and then you're able to launch that into a w that's a huge lesson for all the listeners i've seen it once or twice in my time but it's probably one of the most difficult things to do to really change your whole approach in the middle of your your thought process of what you thought you had to do to be successful well kurt i mean is and mark step in on this but it's literally like you called an audible you're on the one yard line and you're like okay well this isn't going to work this play because of the way the defense set up so i'm going to call an audible and i'm going to run it in for a touchdown you know i mean so that's literally what you were doing yeah and the springtime is the time that you need to be moving and and fine because there's always everybody a water that we go to, well, some just are pitiful. They just, they just don't have a practice <laughs> sometimes, I think. 
But most of the bodies of water we go to are really good lakes. And there's something going on somewhere that is happening and the fish are biting. And don't be scared to go in search of that because somebody's going to catch them. I mean, no matter what, you can go to the hotel and everybody's crying the blues and what have you. Keep in mind, somebody's going to catch some fish and, and there's a deal going on somewhere. And you just got to go find it. You know, I, I was up that river. It wasn't happening, but I knew somewhere on that body of water, it's spring. Water temperature's changing. The fish are starting to bite. It's been cold in the winter, and gosh, they're they're ready to move up and do all that. So I knew that there was something going on somewhere, and you just have to trust that uh, where you're at's not working. You've tried it, so go try to find it. And I had marked some fish out deep, so I knew the population was out there. If I could just get them to fire good, and I went out there, and I, I found they're biting deep. So don't be scared to to go and and change up because you'll find that, man, there's something special somewhere if you can just figure it out. Well, certainly something for our listeners and all of us to take home and and, uh, really be able to use out there on the water to help improve that catch ratio. Mark, let's take a short break in this action. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will return with more from FLW Tour Angler Mark Rose. Sign up to become an O'Reilly O Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard returns with back-to-back FLW Tour champion Pro Mark Rose and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. No one knows it better than Mark Rose himself. It works. Hey, absolutely, it works. I tell you what, uh, I've been with Lucas a long time too, guys, and you know, I have to, as a professional angler and somebody who fishes for points and angler of the year and stuff like that, I, I want the best. If, I, if there's a crankbait out there that's better than any others, it doesn't matter who I'm sponsored by. I'm going to try to get it, and I'm going to try to use it. And Lucas Oil, you can ask anybody that's used it, the service techs and everybody, they'll tell you that when they pull a prop off of an engine and it's been using Lucas, they know it immediately. It's just cleaner. It's better. They know better than anybody there in the oil business, and I want the best. There you go. Great recommendation right there from Mark Rose. Thanks for that insight, Mark. Let's jump back to Lake Travis real quick. You know, a lot of folks have seen the videos and read all the, uh, you know, media out there that's available, and and as you talk talked about in the first segment you caught a lot of key fish on a football jig also one of those key baits is uh you know a swim bait that you used out there particularly you used that strike king squadron head in your lake travis victory that helped you along the way please explain for the listeners the design of the head how you like to use it and what conditions are most effective with it throughout the year yeah swim bait is just a really big fish you probably know as anybody kirk it just catches big ones and i didn't even have a swim bait 
right arm. I wasn't even thinking swim. I, I was thinking jig for Travis, bottom, rock, you know, all right. that. But I noticed that there was some arches down there deep. And so I said, man, swim bait's got to be the deal. And I made sure that I found one with a squadron head on it because, like you said, it's not just a piece of lead with a hook in it. There was some thought that went in, uh, you know, to that head. It's designed with a little bit of a keel kind of down at the bottom of it. You can see the kind of the weight downward on the head. And it's got that 60-degree line tie in it, which helps the bait swim better. If you have a 90-degree line tie on it, it's going to hang straight. The point of the line tie is going to be going straight up, and it's not. It's just going to come through the water dead. If you got that 60-degree line tie on it moving forward, it pushes that line out front, and it helps the water flow down that swim bait, and you'll see a side-to-side action on your hook. If you watch one with a squadron head, you'll see that hook going back and forth, kind of pendulum back and forth, just like a clock ticking from about six to nine o'clock you know it's just going back and forth and it's just got that perfect swimming wobble you can put one on there with a uh, with a 90 degree line tie and put one on there with a 60 degree or put a squadron head on there and you can definitely tell the difference and that's what a swim bait is it's a swimming minnow and you want that minnow swimming with that pulsating you don't want a big old wide wobbling hard knocking bait you want something that's tight swimming just like a tight swimming crankbait or whatever especially when that water is a little bit cooler coming through the water a little bit tighter man it makes all the difference in the world and i put a six inch paddle tail on there which is just a big fish bait it's just a big fish catcher man and when i started seeing those arches out there deep i just said man i'm just gonna tie one on this morning early just to see if i can't get one big kamikaze and my thought that's when you know man you're just kind of in that zone and you're meeting god's opportunity with a lot of hard work and preparation and and they call it luck but that's the way i describe it and i just fired it out there and caught a six pounder and you know then that your thought process is right and i picked the right bait and saw the right conditions and it just worked out Uh, you picked the right bait indeed let me ask a quick question about the way that you were working in that mark you know you see you know again in, in the videos you know flw does such an awesome job now they had the live going uh which which is uh, you know great to see all the top anglers you know you can watch the action as it happens oh, man, right there awesome. on flw live it is awesome and, and and the youtube videos that they do through the gopro cameras i mean it's just unbelievable but talk about a little bit about your setup and how you were working that bait i mean you were turning that handle just as slow as could be um obviously you talked about about, you know, fishing some deep water with it. But talk about your setup a little bit and how that related to your success. That day before on that swim bait, you know, I basically saw those arches, like I just said, and they were deep. They were 49 to 52 feet. And out there on the edges of that boat ramp, there was trees and there was some big rock. And that's why I first went there on the end of day two, because I had caught fish there before when it was a, a whole lot lower. So I knew that there was some hard stuff out at the end of that ramp. But when I see those arches float, around that end of that ramp and then around that wood that just told me that they were deep and they were big arches you know the ones that i said those those are game changers <laughs> right. so i had to slow i had to let you let that swim bait go down and i was using a one ounce head so it would get down there and i'm just slow turn because that the incline of that ramp you know you have to slowly let that bait sink while it's coming back to you and you're retrieving line but you're wanting it to sink and so you have to do it really slow and kind of get your cadence down and get a feel and become the bait so to speak 
and just make that thing look like a little shad swimming down that ramp. And so I had to just slow my, even kill my line sometimes, let it sink a little bit, get that fall rate. And you just want to present it kind of right over that fish's head or the water was fairly clear down there at the dam. So they had a good, probably eight foot to 10 foot visibility. So I just wanted to keep it in his range. And so he could see it and just kind of feel it down there. And uh, gosh, they were, they were very nice. I got got to say that you said it quickly, but it stuck with me. I wanted to stick with everybody else. Become the bait. That's the quote of the day right there. I really like that. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, That's why you fish. You know, if if you're throwing a crawdad, Make that thing act like a crawdad. If you're throwing a frog over some lily pads or something, a, a, a frog isn't going to come out there in between the two pads and just stop because he knows that there's danger around. He's going to work it kind of fast over to the next pad. So just kind of become the critter that you're trying to imitate. Yeah, that's that's almost sage-like advice right there. And, hey, Mark, and you kind of alluded to this earlier in the question. You were talking about wobbles, and then you made a reference to crankbaits. And one of the questions that I have, you know, when you go to any sporting goods store, the, the crankbait aisles are lined, right, with hundreds, if not thousands, <laughs> of choices a flat-sided crankbait was part of your early spring arsenal last month what are the conditional differences that really that you use a flat-sided bait versus a rounded style crankbait that you'd mentioned earlier it's real simple i use flat stuff whenever it's cold and i use wider wobbling stuff whenever i want some reaction uh later in the summertime the water temperature at gunnersville was right there around the 50s and so I wanted a bait that had a really tight action. And if this makes sense, I wanted it light. And that's what I think a lot of fishermen don't get. They wonder why a shad wrap bait has always caught fish in cold conditions. And, and, and part of that, in my thinking, is they don't want a, a fish can detect something pushing a lot of water meaning a 2.5 square bill crankbait is going to push a lot of water. And in the summertime, whenever they're feeding on big gizzard shad and things like that, and they're being really aggressive, they'll come out and they'll smoke that 2.5 crankbait. It pushes a lot of water, and it has a lot of turbulence. It's the big Mack truck going down the interstate that you get all the wind draft around. Well, (laughs) in the cold wintertime, they want something light, and I, and I pick out light baits because of that. I, I pick out a, a, a lighter vibrating jig, a lighter swim jig, a lighter jig, the lightest jig possible. And in crankbait, I want a little light balsa bait in the wintertime. I think it makes a difference. It puts out a pulse, a tighter pulse, and uh, something that it just feels real. A three-inch shad doesn't weigh a lot when you put him in the palm of your hand. I just feel like it's a more finicky bait, and it, it helps more in the uh, the cold wintertime, and it has a tight wiggling action. It just comes through the water real tight. That's why a lipless crankbait, flat-sided crankbait, shad wraps, all that kind of stuff, that's why they work so effectively in the cold wintertime it's not just the tight wobble it's the fact that they're light lures as well very nice uh, i tell you what you know a lot of weekend anglers that, that you know they get out on the water they're looking at the weather report they're going to get the water conditions when they launch the boat once you get a couple of those factors what are the factors that's going to lead you to your initial search one way or the other shallow or deep what are you looking for obviously at travis you kind of looked more i'm going to say you know shallow at first because of xyz conditions but even though you ended up fishing deep but not everybody has five or six days to be out there on the water and then decide which way to go so what is your focus and what is your conditional record that you're looking at to lead you one way or the other when you hit the water in the spring 
Well, I think in the springtime, more than any time of the year, that probably water temperature is my biggest factor. If the water is warmer, then I'm going to use more aggressive techniques. I'm going to look for shallower stuff. I'm going to throw vibrating jigs and spinner baits and and square bill crankbaits and things like that and really try to pick off uh, the fish are cruising. You know, for hunters, you know, pre-rut, the fish, those bucks are cruising the woods looking for does. And that's the best time in the world to be in the woods. Well, same way in the spring. Whenever that water starts to warm up, those bass are coming out of the deeper water and they're cruising. And that's when you want to throw uh, moving baits, uh, vibrating jigs, swim jigs, all that type of stuff, you know, top water wake baits and cover a lot of water and and be aggressive with them if the water temperature is cooler you know still in the 50s or low 50s to 40s then then slow down you know tickle a jerk bait when i say tickle it meaning don't just use big rips and stuff like you know use a jerk bait imitate a dying shad out there uh, tight wobbling crankbaits jigs in staging areas if you can find a, a bluff or a channel swing bank or something work a jig down them slow down a little bit if the if the water is is, is in the 50s but yeah water temperature uh moon phase things like that you know make good decisions try to use good outdoor instincts and good skills and uh, and make good decisions with water temperature and moon phase and and try to figure out where they are in their in that spawn cycle that's the biggest thing Spawn cycle and water temperature are two things you need to uh, really consider in the spring. If the water's warming up and they're spawning, get up there where you feel like the fish will be spawning. If they're not, find out where they're going to be staging at and, and pulling up to and slow down a little bit with them. Mark, you know, obviously most of us are, are familiar with, with striking and certainly a, a great partner for you down through the years. But if you could give us advice, what would be the three products from Strike King that everyone needs in their tackle box this spring? Three products from Strike King. Well, first and foremost, I would have to say a shaky head. A 16th to an 8th to a 3 16th ounce Strike King shaky head. And I and I say Strike King shaky head because I feel like they make the bet. They got the line tie that's real tight to the head. They got a really good keeper, and they've got an ultra-sharp hook. So it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the best out there. I would have those three shaky heads and green pumpkin or black. Any Either one of those will work. And uh, I'd pair it with a six-and-a-half uh inch uh finesse worm we call it uh just a straight worm in green pumpkin i'd have that i'd have i'd have to have a 1.5 crankbait just for moving fast and covering a lot of water third i guess would be a rage bug you can do so much with it you can flip it you can use it as a jig trailer you can take the frigate you can throw it on a swing head it's so versatile put a hundred pack of green pumpkin in your boat and you're good to go awesome good stuff right there i I do gotta say you know watching you know competing with you at mlf and then watching it on tv because we don't always get to compete against one another and and of course we never know what everyone's doing at mlf till it comes out on the air but uh i gotta admit i was super surprised how much you actually use a shaky head man it is a big weapon for you isn't it oh my gosh it's it's like a banana split to a bass you you (laughs) present me with a banana split 100 times and i'm gonna accept it 100 times same way with a bass it seems to me like it's just a 
it's just candy to them, man. You got to you gotta have them on your deck. And you know, as well as I do, Kirk, on MLF, we got to put fish in the boat. It ain't all about, you know, how big they are a lot of times. That's it's right. numbers. And that bait will catch you numbers. You put it on eight and 10-pound line with a spinning rod, and it's just going to catch you a whole lot of fish. That's awesome. Good stuff. All right, guys, it's time for O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Listener question segment. Today's question comes from Peter Webster. Pete asked this question. After fishing several tournaments as a co-angler, I'm preparing to fish my first season as a boater in the FLW BFL events. Due to my work schedule, I'll usually only be able to get a single day of practice in. So my question is, in order to maximize efficiency and time management, how would you approach a body of water if you only had a single day of practice to prepare for a one-day tournament? Well, first and foremost, let me say that don't ever think that you're beat just because you have one day of practice. Man, I've had a lot of successful tournaments where I've only had one day of practice. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time to, to figure it out. It only takes a few areas. You can only weigh in five. So catching five, you don't need... 10 days of practice but i would just go out and especially in the spring i would uh, you know like i said read that water temperature and find some areas where some big fish are pulling up into in the summertime i would try to find just a couple places where some bait is and maybe with some current or something like that but try to find just a couple of areas and don't don't go out and try to figure out the whole lake pick an area like a good creek on a map in the springtime where you feel like fish should be moving into, and go in that creek and learn every nuance you can in your one day of practice. Don't try to run up the river and then don't go by the dam and then don't try to fish everywhere in between. Pick an area that looks good to you using your best outdoor instincts and go in there and learn everything that you can about it. And if the tournament's going to be won in that area, you can learn just as much as the guys fishing 10 days that are running all over the lake, and then that area is their, you know, where the tournament's going to be won. So pick an area, learn everything you can about it in your short time. And I guess one other thing to throw in there, Mark, uh, based upon what you said earlier in the interview, it also don't be afraid to change because you're, if you're figuring out what's not working, eventually if you keep changing it up and stick to it, you know, something's going to show up and then uh, prepare to take action. Yeah, trust your instincts, man. If you feel like, hey, the area that I picked is mid-lake and it's not happening because the wind is really blowing and it's cloudy and I was catching them in the sun. Well, you know, down on the lower end of lakes, it's a little bit clearer. Well, the the wind and the clouds are going to make those fish a little bit more available or susceptible to attacking a lure. So move and go down there in that clear water if the uh, if the wind and the, the clouds are changing things up down there run down there and, and try to catch those fit you know yeah trust your instincts and don't die in there use a good backup plan and a, and a quick judgment call and and go for it well good stuff peter we appreciate you sending in that question and mark thanks for your response peter one thing we need from you be sure to email us again through our website at BassEdge.com or click on the Claim Your Prize tab and let us know that you not only heard your question answered on the show, but also make sure you give us a mailing address to send out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And a reminder, Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions through our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning the next 
O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card, and you can also email us, support at BassEdge.com. Stay up with our Facebook and Twitter pages. Always great giveaways going on. Mark, thanks again for being with us today on Bass Edge Radio, and congrats on a tremendous accomplishment. Any final uh, thoughts for the listeners as we get ready to shut this down? No, I, I just really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to people. I love you know, educating people. I, I don't have a little boy to pass all my uh, what I've learned in 17 years of bass fishing, I do. So I just enjoy sharing it with people, especially people that are uh, willing to learn. And I have to say, Coach Dove, that uh, I've been fishing a long time, and I and I'll just say it, uh, not just because you're on the air, but you're one of the nicest guys that I've ever uh, ran onto on the water. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it, man. It's been awesome hanging out today for sure. We're gonna send you off with our segment. Four last questions for you. You ready? Yeah. All righty. What was your thought when you woke up this morning? <laughs> oh, it's easy. Thanksgiving. I just, you know, anybody knows me knows that I'm a man of faith, and I know exactly where these blessings are coming from, and I just, uh, thanking God, man, is unbelievable. All right. Who's your favorite fishing partner? Favorite fishing partner? It used to be my granddad when he was alive. Passed away at 98 and a half, and I spent a lot of my childhood on a John boat with him catching commercial fish. Now it had to be my daughter. Awesome. You just won the next national tournament. What's the first emotion that crosses your mind? <laughs> well, Brian Thrift was probably in it, and uh, I just uh, probably going up to congratulate him on on enough because he seems like he's right there on every one of them. Now, I don't know. Again, just Thanksgiving. Uh, thank God. Unbelievable. All those emotions that you can imagine. Are you a bathroom singer? No, but I'm a bathroom hummer. I'm amazing grace all the time. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you so much. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. So, Aaron, back in the day, there was a guy named George Cochran. You know, he's retired now. I'm sure a lot of a lot of folks remember who George was, but they, they called him Gentleman George. Dude, I, I, we, we got to come up with something for Mr. Rose, man. Mark Rose is – I think of, it's Ridiculous Rose. I mean, to be able to do that. <laughs> Could be ridiculous road, but but Mark Rose, man, one of the nicest guys out there. You know, I run into him a lot on the road and participate in MLF with him as well, and uh, he is taking it to another level. 
one of the most humble and kind human beings there is, you know, out there, man. It's, it's great to get to know Mark. Great to have him here on the show. Yeah, no doubt. I've got to spend some time with him because of his affiliation with Lucas, one of our mutual uh, sponsor slash partnerships. And definitely I second everything that you just said. And I thought his comments, you know, just a couple things that I took. I don't want to reiterate everything because there was so much good information in there. But the warming their eggs comment on the bass that are moving in. And then also I think the key point was changing his thoughts midway. In other words, going in with a plan. Everybody needs to go in with a plan. But the key was that he changed his thoughts midway and went from upriver, fishing shallow, down the lake to fishing deep. Yeah, kept it wide open. Of course, you know, it's easy to say that. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, it was that four-pound bite he talked about that led him into that direction. You know, he doesn't get that bite, and he doesn't follow that path. So uh, there are key little things that have to happen in order for you to be successful out there, whether it's fishing from the bank, fishing from your kayak, or fishing in a tournament, or just out fun fishing that pushes you over the top to to be able to catch more fish and um you know he had that bite took advantage of it because that's that's also a huge key is taking advantage and seeing that path you know and then he followed that path like you said earlier in the interview called that audible and uh scored a touchdown right so um awesome deal there really enjoy mark and 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 how he was able to uh break that down for all our listeners, but more importantly, those behavioral patterns. You know, you talked about all of the different aspects of fish movement and and conditions in the springtime that are important to watch so that you can put yourself in position to catch more fish. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of paths, my path is basically backing up to my Nitro Z21 and I'm heading to go get on the lake today. All this talk about fishing, it's time to actually get out to doing. But you know what? I sincerely, and I know you do as well, Kurt, all of Bass Edge Nation, the listeners, we can't do it without you. Uh, Be sure to stay abreast with us on our social media. We're doing some fantastic giveaways. That's a great place to keep real-time information. Also, BassEdge.com, chock full of videos, tips, articles, and, of course, the DVDs that we've talked about that so many of these guys took part in through three seasons of filming on various lakes, various conditions throughout the course of, of the year, those can be picked up for as little as $3.95. We're trying to give you the tools to go out and help catch more fish. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. We will see you March 15th. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.